Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spalding, Seifarth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Welcome to Series 2 of the Platform Podcast. We are taking a deeper dive into some of the subjects discussed in our fall webinar series. Today, I'm talking to Brian Powers, who is CEO of PackSafe. In our PackSafe webinar, we spoke to Kyle Robbins, who is VP of Sales and Legal Solutions, about what the terms of use or service are when you're setting up a marketplace. And I think this session and this podcast are going to be really useful for marketplace startup founders. Now, Brian, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk. And I am, I'm going to be a real layman here and just ask you a really basic question, but I think our listeners will be keen to hear. Now, what are terms of use and are they different from terms of service or is it just two ways of saying the, the same thing? They're, they're, they're essentially not, not any different. The, uh, sometimes uh, one will be used for software as a service, another might be used for, so like a, a SaaS provider, right? They're providing a service, so they might call them terms of service as opposed to terms of use, which is, hey, I'm using your your e-commerce or your marketplace website, so they call it terms of use. Um, but at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot of difference between those. Um, people use them a bit interchangeably right now. What do they actually do, and why do you why do you have to have these? Yeah, so. Um, e- so think about it like this. Most most business transactions have some type of contract that defines the business relationship and supposed to, um, you know, allocate certain rights and obligations and then uh, try to minimize risk. Right. So uh, in, in the context where terms of use and terms of service are used, you typically don't have a one to one personal transaction that's happening. So you have to be able to inject some sort of legal terms into that transaction, right? So in the marketplace context, you want to do that to give yourself all sort of protections against your hopefully millions and billions of users. Um, 
in the absence of that, you're just doing business without a contract and you don't have any legal protections whatsoever. So why are they so important for marketplaces, for two-sided platforms? Is it particularly important that a marketplace startup has these in place? Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes even more so because you're because you have, you know, at least two sides to any marketplace um, the, 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 the like that's you're multiplying your potential legal exposure by the number of sides of your marketplace. So um, and then ideally, you're automating most of those transactions. So the risk profile of the business can go up pretty significantly. Um, you know, because you're acting as a matchmaker and you're and you can't go in and bet every single marketplace transaction that takes place, um, nor the providers on each side of that transaction. Um, so, you know, as Jeremy likes to talk about quite a bit, you know, you, there's 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 some primary pillars to reducing risk in a marketplace model. And, you know, one of those, the most important is having a very clear, um, well-defined and properly drafted set of terms of service. Right. And what mistakes, I mean, you, you're very experienced in, in this space. Um, what mistakes do people make? What are common mistakes when it comes to terms of service? And, you, you know, what, what does that look like when people get it wrong? I kind of, you know, I'm intrigued here. I kind of, I kind of want to hear a few horror stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, well, getting it wrong, getting terms of service wrong means that they're not going to be enforceable typically, which means that, you know, what's, what's the point of even having them? And um, usually that manifests itself in the form of uh, a lawsuit that you can't defend yourself against based on your terms of service. And a lot of times that's a class action lawsuit, which is very common um, as businesses start to scale, they will, they will. Um, invariably be targeted uh, by plaintiff's lawyers that are looking for, you know, to bring class actions. And, you know, class action is when instead of suing a company as one person, you try to create a class of people that have been damaged. Um, uh, you find one representative and then you bring a lawsuit uh, on behalf of all of them. And it's, it's designed from the plaintiff's perspective to kind of, uh, balance of power, right? Um, and one of the things that you try to do that's mo one of the most important things to put in the terms of service uh, is a class action waiver or um, making everybody agree to binding arbitration, which means that they can't form a class and sue you. They have to submit one-to-one -to, -one to arbitration. Um, and so your, your, your best line of defense against the class action is that, and if you can't prove that your terms are enforceable, um, then you have nothing to rely on there. Mm -hmm. So the, some of the horror stories go to like some of the very silly things that people do to invalidate their terms. Um, so for example, the way you present your terms on a screen is super important. And if you think about it in like the, the, the context of a normal traditional contract. If I asked you to sign a contract, but only let you see the signature block and held the rest of it under, you know, a stack of bricks um, or had it completely illegible, but said, sign this and tried to enforce it. Um, you know, that wouldn't hold up. And mm -hmm. common sense says the same, right? So 
when you're presenting your terms on a registration form or a checkout flow for acceptance, it has to be very clear um, that some of the action somebody is taking is signify signing a contract. You know, even if it's as simple as checking a box, you have to make that very clear. And it's and it's amazing how many times people mess that up. Um, an, another thing that's that's, that's obviously uh, something you have to do with contracts is you have to be able to prove that people signed them, right? So, you know, I'm sure how many times have you signed a, a contract in paper or a PDF where, hey, it's pretty easy to go produce a record of that contract, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but in this sense, it's not quite so obvious and easy, especially if you're asked, okay, well, we need to be able to prove that. 4 million people accepted uh, three different versions of our terms of service over a six year period to defend the class action. Um, that can be very difficult to do. And so we've, we've heard horror stories of, uh, um, you know, months and months of data mining expeditions with lawyers and engineers and product managers to figure all this stuff out uh, based for one lawsuit. Um, we, we, we've, we've seen uh product managers and and engineers having to testify in federal court out of state just to prove that people accepted terms of service. Um, And then even if you do have some sort of manual process that you can follow, you know, you're typically going to be, I mean, we've seen, um, we've seen affidavits and declarations filed in, in court proceedings that are 80, 90, a hundred plus pages long where, you know, they've, they've been working, pulling all these records, all of these data sets just to prove something as simple as contract acceptance. Um, so it's it, it can be a complete nightmare if you don't do it right. And, and why do people not do it right? Do you think that um, it's because they're trying to cut costs? They maybe don't have the information that they need to know how to do it right. You talked about, you know, these things happen when businesses are scaling. Do you think it's something that gets lost along the way? That or what? Why does it go wrong? I think it definitely is something that has been lost along the way, both at uh, a macro level and a micro level. I think these types of business models just sprouted out so quickly that people weren't thinking about some of the obvious things that a lawyer learns their first year in law school. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, these businesses are scaling so quickly that, uh, you know, they're, they're, maybe they do have in-house legal counsel, but they're not thinking about these as actual contracts. Um, I don't, I think one of the, one of the unique things about a, a terms of service or how you accept them, which is typically a click wrap agreement, is that uh, a lot of people on both sides of the transaction, they just don't think about them nor treat them as a real contract. And the result is that they typically are left to, a lawyer's going to go draft the terms and, and not really think about you know what's going to happen after that. And some, uh, some UX designer is going to figure out how to present them on the screen and, and where to put the checkbox and, that all that stuff is improving, but um, I think it's just it's just a lot of things just fall through the cracks. And like mm-hmm. I said, it's, it's a it's a macro and a micro thing, right? It's and it's I think it's gradually improving as this type of business model, um, you know, matures. But uh, 
but yeah, it's, it, we continue to see it being a problem, both among our customers and just in cases that we see coming out almost daily. You mentioned the term click wrap there. Um, can you explain exactly what, what that means? Yeah, click wrap is pretty simple. It's uh, a contract that you're going to accept by clicking on something. So uh, there's nothing, uh, there's no legal requirements except for a couple of very special types of contracts that require a wet ink signature or a squiggly line on a PDF that looks like a handwritten signature to create a binding contract. It's You have to have uh, some sort of uh, manifestation of acceptance and uh, that has to be tied to a record of a electronic contract that was presented at the time so uh, so all of those you know when you're when you're checking out from somewhere uh, online an e-commerce site or you're signing up for something in a registration form and you're clicking on a button or checking a box or taking some action that you've been put on notice that, hey, when you do this, you are accepting a contract. That's a click wrap agreement. So it's like when your um, iPhone does an update and you you get this um, sort of scrolling loads and loads of, um, you know, words, and then you just click the, the box at the bottom and, um, you know, in my case, don't read them. Um, and that's you agreeing to the terms and conditions. Is it bad that probably most people are like me and and don't read them or or somebody in the know like you? Would you say, well, you know, you do need to read them or do you? you... I I don't read them. Um, uh, But, you know, most people don't read their entire mortgage or their entire, uh, um, you know, apartment lease or, or, or car lease or whatever, right? There's... There's lots and lots of consumer-facing contracts that um, that nobody reads because they're really long. Now, that does not make them unenforceable. Um, the, 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 the standard there is just that as long as people are put on notice that there is a contract here and they have an opportunity to review it um, before they signify that they've accepted it, then it's enforceable. So, um, so it's, you know, it's it, that's the... You know, it's one of those famous internet memes that nobody ever reads terms of service, um, yeah. but it doesn't make them unenforceable, certainly. Yeah. And, I mean, can we quantify the the risk of, of getting this wrong from the point of view of a, a scaling marketplace startup? What does that look like? I mean, is it something that, you know, is it sort of millions of dollars, you know, in a in a lawsuit? Is it sort of the end of the company? I mean, what could be, I I suppose I I don't want to scare listeners, but it's getting it into the point where, you know, at worst, if you don't get this right, what, what could that actually look like um, in in terms of the risk? Yeah. I mean, it it could, I mean, you could definitely suffer some big, I mean, the more you scale, the, the more of a target you have on your back to be sued. And, um, you know, I mean, th- this can this can manifest itself in lots and lots of little lawsuits that that can just really bog you down and add up. It can it can manifest itself in a huge class action where, um, you know, maybe your insurance doesn't cover all of it. It's something that you easily could have avoided, uh, and those types of things can definitely put put a business out. Um, so it's uh, 
it, but it's, it's such a simple thing to put in place if you just take the time and, and use the right legal counsel and tools to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, it, it, having good terms of service does not protect you from everything, but it is a significant step to, to minimizing risk that can can end up saving a business. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you just talked about, you know, ease and, and how it is, you know, an easy thing to get right. If you are a, um, a a startup founder and this is not your area of expertise, can you give me some ideas for what might be kind of you know low hanging fruit, easy fixes, things that um, a founder can can do just as first steps or just easy fixes to make sure that they are on the way to getting this part right? Well, I think I think first of all you want to. Um, if you're going to, you, you should have terms and, um, you should probably find a good lawyer or a good online service that can provide a set of terms that are specifically tailored to your business. They're not all the same. And what a lot of founders make the mistake of doing is thinking, oh, I can just go copy the terms from DoorDash and be fine. Yeah. Well, they probably have a complete completely different business model than the, than that marketplace does. So um, not, not a great idea. So it's, if they can, if they can, if they have the capital, it always makes sense to hire um, a good, good lawyer or pay for a good set of terms as early as possible. Um, and then, you know, it, from, from there it becomes uh, just starting to think about like what are some of the best practices to make sure that you're presenting them the right way. You know, it's, it's a simple exercise that you can go through even without legal counsel is looking at how you're presenting the terms and how people are clicking on them to accept them and just and say, Hey, is it clear that, that somewhere in the middle of this transaction, we're expecting a consumer to, or somebody else on the marketplace to understand that, clicking on this or taking an action um one of the or the consequence involved with that is that you're accepting a set of legal terms and if you go through that very very simple exercise it's going to go a long way to making sure that um you know you're not doing something that the court would find sneaky or um, inconspicuous right Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this leads me nicely on to asking about about PackSafe because um, that you're obviously this is this is your area very much so, but I I don't quite understand how what you do fits in with what we've just been talking about. So, I'd love to hear a bit more about how uh, PackSafe came about and and how it offers a, a solution that's um, you know different from from maybe doing things in a in a kind of manual fashion. Yeah. Um, so PackSafe was something that we started. It was, it came, I practiced law for 10 years before I started PackSafe. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was because we figured out, okay, well, there's businesses like online, online marketplaces are heavily reliant on their terms of use, but they're, they're not being treated like every other contract in a business. I mean, everybody's familiar with, all these other pieces of technology that empower businesses and legal teams of those businesses to, to really have control over their contracts, right? Document management, electronic signature, 
contract lifecycle management, but yet you have a, the really in a, in a marketplace, the most voluminous type of contract there is, is a click wrap term to service. And they're just being posted out on a website and with, with, with no management or record keeping capabilities whatsoever. So we built Axe to kind of replicate what you really need to have for your contracts um, in any other sense for click wraps. Um, no, we don't we don't draft the agreements, um, but once once somebody gets a lawyer or has somebody else, you know, provide a good set of terms, they just they drop them right into Paxate, and, and we have an API and a bunch of other tools that will allow them to very easily um, present those terms wherever they want, wherever people are accepting, um, signing up for a marketplace or buying something. Um, in the form of a click wrap agreement. And then uh, once that's done, right, some of those nightmares that I described before cease to exist, right? If you need to, if you need to prove that a million people accepted your terms, you just go into PackSafe, you click a button and, and we generate records like you would expect from any other type of contract. Um, there's a lot of other things that the, that the platform does as well, but, um, at the end of the day, it's designed to make sure that a marketplace or any other businesses relying on terms of service can treat those as real contracts. Mm -hmm. And do you have an ongoing relationship with the marketplace startups you work with? Because this is something that constantly evolves or is it a sort of thing that you do and then that's it? Oh, no, we, um, um, we have great relationships with our marketplace, e-commerce, all, all, all of our um, startup and enterprise customers where, um, you know, we, we, we typically will help them get live with, with good solid click wraps using the platform. Um, but then they typically will evolve to maybe using click wrap for all sorts of other things across their business as well. Um, all the, all, all the types of contracts that are, uh, you know, mostly standardized. So like sales order forms, NDAs, stuff like that. Um, a lot of our initial click wrap customers will eventually kind of evolve and graduate to, Hey, we want to use click wrap for, for more than just our terms. Um, so we, so we develop pretty long lasting relationships with our customers to help them figure out like, Hey, you perfected, um, your marketplace model and how can we and how can we help you build efficiencies in other parts of your business with the platform mm -hmm. and a, a question i love asking my podcast um guests is uh, especially at the end is really how do you see this evolving and where do you think this is going to be in you know five years time obviously we're living in uh, very strange times at the moment but quite often with this technology it can seem very new but it's almost like there's something else coming around the corner um you know anyway just to take its place we talk about you know ai voice recognition have you seen any innovations coming in that you think are going to change the way that the click wrap world operates in the future quite soon or um or do you think that this this is um gonna you know really kind of take root and be be the way that it's done for a while well i i do think it's going to be the way it's done for a while um but i think that uh you know, the, the current state of things has made um, the, the, the type of business model that's conducive for click wrap, you know, which 
was, you know, the self-service online type business models like e-commerce, marketplaces, software as a service have become just ex- much more broadly relevant in an accelerated fashion over the last six months. And I think what what we're seeing is that more and more businesses, even some very, very old traditional legacy type businesses are trying to learn from you know, some of the innovative businesses that have thrived over the past six months during COVID. And so you see these, there's, there's definitely these digital transformation tailwinds that have become more than just about trying to automate a business process here and there. It's about, about really figuring out, okay, there's a certain profile of business that's able to thrive in an environment like this um, and build out these, these efficiencies with how they interact with customers Um, And a lot of it goes back to creating really, really good experiences with, you know, everybody that you're doing business with. Mm -hmm. And one of the hardest parts about any business process is making the contract a good experience because nobody wants to do that. You know, it's like if you could conduct business without a contract, you would do it every time, but you can't. Um, So, so. So I think that uh, if, if anything, you know, ClickWrap is uh, it's 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 becoming its own market, um, its own type of contracting, and I think that uh, beyond just online marketplaces, <clears throat> we're seeing it be adopted by, you know, massive businesses all around the world now. Um, so I think it's it's uh, and, and that's that's more of a byproduct of, like I said, the just the the way that people want to conduct business has just changed so much in the past six months that, mm-hmm. you know, it's a necessity to transform. And um, we see click wrap as being a big part of that moving forward. Yeah. Interesting times, I think for, for, for everyone. And, and I think particularly when it comes to this type of technology, because as you say, there's been such a rapid change that, um, you know, these innovative ideas um, really have sort of found their place and embedded in a way that we wouldn't have anticipated um, a year ago, really, I suppose. Um, Brian, it's been really interesting talking to you about this. Now, Kyle Robbins is uh, on the webinar with Jeremy, our founder, talking um, in depth about terms of service and use so i do encourage listeners to head over and and watch that webinar at marketplacerisk.com and um thank you brian for being my guest on the platform podcast today it's been really interesting thanks for having me i enjoyed it thank you for tuning into the master's program platform podcast Check out the master's program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers and more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.